Um, what I'm going to do in, it is a way to stop talk because we haven't got enough time and I can keep talking forever. Is have a look at the Faith and the Nexus research very briefly. Talk a little bit about what are we what are we defining as children's spiritual flourishing, and then look at some of the areas that came out of the research. What do children say helps them develop spiritually? And it's making time for conversations, providing space and time for reflection, and facilitating children's encounters with the Bible. I'm very aware I'm going to have to get to that last one this time. I'm saying. Um, so, Nexus Research is an ongoing research project. It started 2017, and the main project took place. The main research I did was at Alex School, 2018-2019. Our question was. How do home, school, and church work together to nurture children's spirituality? How do they facilitate opportunities for children to explore faith and spiritual life in the home? Since then, we've looked at primary and preschool children, and we're just going back in to look at the primary again. Toddler Project, which is in progress at the moment, looked at how toddler groups can offer opportunities to nurture the spirituality of very young children. Now, I have to confess, I'm a secondary RE teacher originally, so going back to primary was quite hard. Going down to toddlers was even more challenging, but we've looked at that and we've looked at just started going back into schools. I'm speaking to a couple of schools this week. How have things changed since the pandemic? How have those connections between home, church, and school and children's spirituality? changed in the last three years can we see what those changes are can we identify them and can we explore a little bit further what happens in the home what is happening in the home now to nurture children's spirituality we know home life has been extraordinarily during covid and we know the long-term consequences are still being played out um, can we document change in patterns of spiritual life the, faith in, the Families Faith in COVID-19 research project found that 50% of parents said that they, their faith in the home had been strengthened because it zoomed into their home. They had more conversations that they wouldn't normally have had. What's happened now they've supposedly gone back to normal, whatever any not sort of normal is. And Can I yeah, just stop there? Yeah, because um, I've been into schools, as Anne said, just recently, and we're going back to extend the Nexus research to simply see how those shifts in relationships have happened since the pandemic. And it would just be really interesting to hear from yourselves what you found. Have things changed in terms of the way families worship, in the way they interact with um, church, just to really gather your thoughts. Have you got any thoughts on that at all, please? Luckily, you know, I've been to churches. I, I used to regular church, I went to school, I mean, um, and we haven't been touched back long ago. Yeah, we're finding that we, we haven't gone mm. back into as many as no. we wanted to. Right. Some schools have shut down, yeah, and they're not opening their doors to no. No. Yeah, so it's very clear. Mm. Yeah, I found that this week, actually, in the school. They've said they've just literally started to bring people back in, mm -hmm. and the parents were saying they've missed it. Because that you've, lost, you've lost the community, <laughs> Phil. Yeah. 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 Anything else that you've found in terms of the way parents, children <laughs> engage since the pandemic? A lot of children we have, so we're from Old Green West Indians, um, and a lot of children that come to our church on a Friday night, our kids come in our shopping, our youth program, are on church children, so the, ch the family isn't particularly connected to the church, the children are. 
But we found, because we Zoomed throughout the whole of COVID, we found that the families were sitting on the sofa, so they were accessing church more so. Yeah. We do visit once a week as well, and we give a memory verse sheet. So in part of that, there was that connection already with the families. But um, yeah, they found it, and we found that the parents were talking more, and we've had more of a connection with the parents since on their return, because they saw exactly what we did, because they saw it in their own home, yeah. and we got them involved, and they were part of the, the learning, and the, like, the Bible stories, and the questions we were asked, and they took part, and they prompted children, and so they got involved in it, probably more than they would have done. That really resonates with what we're finding and, and just out of interest, are you maintaining that online link as well as the in-person? No, no. we're carrying on with online. So we do weekly um, programme but we visit the homes. Right. We do oh. the zones and so we visit every Wednesday and we run our programme at church on a Friday. I think that that's one of the, just pick up that's one of the things that came out, that it wasn't the resources that were given over the gate. It was the person coming for the resources we just started a um, Sunday school together for a lot of years at Market Lane. And um, we're finding that we're actually teaching the parents as well as the children because the parents don't know anything about Bible, they don't know anything about Jesus. Mm-hmm. One of us said the other day, we're doing Easter because we're doing it once a month. And she said, What? So he actually lived? Then he died, and then he came back in, and we said, we think, oh, we'll tell you more, you know, a lot more time because she was but so, it, you know, it's strange. Yeah, that's something we've come to as well, wouldn't yeah. it? About yeah. the parents, parents and learning on the yeah. hill. Yeah. One of the stories that, you know, I have to tell later, when I tell it down about the Bible, though, is that actually the children hear the story in the Bible, and one of the parents was telling me one of the stories, which got Jonah and Noah mixed up completely. Oh, yeah. But yeah. she said, yeah. I didn't know it, so I looked yeah, on YouTube, yeah, yeah. and they found the story, yeah, and, yeah. and because yeah. the child had brought the story home. Yeah. And, uh, so, were you going to say some more? I was just going to share one. We run. Um, we did nothing on Zoom um, during our pandemic, but we did sort of acts that we took out for home. And when we were able to restart, we found that we had a big surge of it's really interesting it's really interesting to be able to see how things have changed so moving on a little bit as we've sort of developed this i started at the beginning with talking about when i started with said spiritual development we're looking at spiritual development and then got pushed back a bit because actually it's not a development in the terms of school where you're going from like maths it, you know five to eleven you've got to see the development like that spirit it's more about spiritual flourishing so we've used the term spiritual flourishing now and the other thing i'm really keen to do is root this within christianity because one of the things you can start talking about spirituality and people think well you know it's that new age it gets wishy-washy it's just mindfulness all you want them to do is mindfulness and to root it really within the gospel in john 10 10 and say you know this is what we're about this is what spiritual flourishing is. It's rooted within the Christian context. But it's not a thing you're spiritual and you're not. It's a dynamic thing. It's an ongoing thing. And it's all about relationships. It's all about relational spirituality, relationships of self, the others, creation, transcendent. And that Martin Boomer's thing of the I-thou relationships. They're really deep, intense relationships. 
not, you know, distance. And that's what we want for our young children. We want them to be spiritually flourishing. And we want to provide them opportunities, both at home, church and school, so they can flourish spiritually. The other thing I get pushed back on is, well, when does faith come in this? This is just you just making them spiritual beings. Well, we argue that being spiritual flourishing is the core, is the underpinning, and the faith comes and builds on top of that. The faith is tethered to that. But without the spiritual underpinning, we don't build the faith. And so connecting with the child's spiritual core from their earlier years provides that fertile environment for engagement with faith and relationships with God. The other thing that we need to say before we look at this is children is working with children. Children are not passive vessels just waiting to be filled. Children are um, co-creators of their religious socialization, that they are active agents on their spiritual journey. They're not passive yet to be socialized, not yet to go. We're not pouring things into them because they're going to become something. They are beings in the healing now. And that's not what we need to remember, that we're giving them support because they are beings in the healing now. And to do that, we need to listen to their voices. We need to actually listen and really listen to what children say, not pay token listening and say, like some of the school counselors, school counselors, they listen and they never do anything that the child ever says, but actually listen intently. What is that child really saying? So the way we organised our research was the main focus when we go into schools and do the research, first people want to speak to other children. What can the children tell us? And then we're calling the adults. How do they give this picture? The surrounding picture, but actually, we want to hear the voices what the children say. So, the key findings are from the voices of the children. What do the children say? What well, where were the opportunities that helped them develop as spiritual people? Where were the opportunities that nurtured their spiritual flourishing? So, almost talking, having conversations <laughs> with adults, being able to talk about the big questions, not getting the right answer, but just being able to talk and uh, talk a little bit more about that. And, a minute. The other one they all came up with is having spaces and time for reflection, quiet time. It's amazing how busy children's lives are, how very little opportunity we give them just to have quiet time where they can do what they want to do. <clears throat> taking part in faith activities, but actually more than taking part, being in the planning, being in the organising, not having them done to them, but them doing them, then organising up the worship. <laughs> The insight that you get from young people when you listen to how they how they would organise church on Sunday, how they would organise worship for their peers is really telling. That sense of belonging, that's really important, that they feel they belong. And it's trying to get adults to understand that actually they belong. Even if they're not in the pews on Sunday or anywhere, they've got a sense of belonging because they've come to a children's activity here. They've come, you know, even just to holiday club. Mm-hmm. And that's their church because in the summer they went there and holiday club. And it's that sense what I belong there and giving them that sense of belonging. And then <coughs> the basic underlining it all is relationships, relationships with the people in school, with people from the church community. It is all about, you know, the basic thing of coming to faith through relationships, not being talked about. And I think that you can find out a lot more on the um, leaflets that you've got on the, on the chair. There's some more down here that I can get to. There's a, the, the website, go to our website and you can find the full report and more about, you know, 
what we found out. But I think that's, that sort of sums it up in a nutshell. This is what the children told us, and this is what's really important for them. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes, breather. If there's any questions or you've got anything, you know, you want to comment on what you've heard so far, please do. In my school, uh, I'm a speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not a church school, but even in maybe in the lockdown, we are in the church school. We, we've got a youth leader who comes into the um, assembly once every three, four weeks. He was in the school, so we didn't ever lose that. That's, oh, that's really um, yeah. and As lots of youth leaders are, very innovative and very interactive, even though it was all routine. Yeah. yeah. So even just that assembly time was good. Um, and although we're not a church school, we walk to our local church. Or how the children do when you were saying about them finding it, what we do with them You know what I mean? So, and interestingly, I just said, we're, we don't have any other faith leaders coming into school. So, um, this Christian gentleman that comes in, we did used to have open the book and leave, but the people that were able to come in and do the hoop with the children, they didn't. And they were older people later. That's one loss we've had. Yeah, I think that's quite common, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that's that one really loss we've had. But we never lost that other link with him because he made it. Like we were zooming into people's home from church. Yeah. He was zooming into our school. Yeah. But we had a lovely yeah. story from my head during the week who had done the same thing and had the, the person zooming into the assemblies mm-hmm. and they saw him in person and the children were just like, wow, he's a YouTuber. And then you don't realise the effect that this casual coming through in, and you're getting into their homes as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's really Because important. that was like he was in, he was the children in, but it was, he was available for home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Anything else before we move on? Because the, the next one I want to move on is talking about the, talking about talking, because that came out as really important. What helps you with your faith? What helps you with your spiritual life? The children was we can talk about it. Where can we talk about it? So in school, in fact, they told me about their RE lessons. We have these discussions. You can have an opinion, and you know you listen to other people's opinions, and then you can make your mind and whatever. And then I tried to push them all a little bit and say, well, what about at home? Do you talk about these things at home? They call them the, you know, the big questions like, you know, what happens after death? Where is God? You know, how did the world start? All that sort of thing. And there was sometimes a very much just sat and about at home. Yeah, that's school thing. And then <clears> some <throat> from some children, well, my mum says, go and ask the teacher. That's sort of shutting down of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Don't find an expert. Go and ask the church leader. Go and ask the teacher. And then there were some um, parents who said, the problem is we don't know how. We don't know how to answer the questions. Some of the mums I was talking to would say, it's fantastic. We have this great discussion. We go you know, on our walk or at breakfast. It's always a funny time when brings it up, not mm-hmm. when you can sit down. And we had this really good description um, discussion about what the crucifixion was about, what was it really about, things like that, or what happened, really happened at the resurrection. But mostly the reaction from the, most of the parents were, we couldn't answer that, we don't know what to say. How do you say? How do you say when they say, you know, when the pets died or when somebody's died, what happens now? How do you answer questions about death? <laughs> and 
this was one of the biggest problems from the parents. The children love being able to talk, and it's, it's really important to them being able to have these conversations. And I think it's a space that you can do in youth activities of children that have those conversations. But how we empower parents, because we know what happens in the home is so important with regard to faith. And if you're shutting it down in the home, you think, well, we don't talk about that sort of thing here, you're, the message is going, that's not important now. You know, it's not really that important. You don't talk about it. Parents felt inadequate. They didn't have the words. Now, if you go in and interview children in schools now, they're very articulate. They've got the language. They know how to talk about religion. They know how to talk about faith because school is given them that language. You go to talk parents, they're laughing, they haven't got the words quite to describe, they haven't got that language. And the other thing is, the parents were convinced there was a right answer. You know, what is heaven like? What is God like? Well, there's a right, the teacher knows it, the person in church knows it. I don't know, I don't want to confuse my child. I don't want to give them any confusion. So they go and ask the right person, to get the right answer. Embracing that and saying there's no right answer. You can go and ask your teacher, you can ask your teacher, you will get an answer, but we're not the right answer because you've got to work that out to search that for yourself. And it, I just picked that up from yeah, going into a school yeah. this week. Again, I was in um, schools and I was talking to parents and their, ch and their child or children. And this year three was the most articulate year three I've ever listened to about God and Jesus. And she was beaming. She was something like out of the film of Matilda. She was just brilliant. I fell in love with her. And um, she was telling me how she comes home from school and she tells her mum all about the Bible and about Jesus. And her mum is actually quite an active Christian herself. But she said she's amazed at what her child comes home with and that she feels inadequate sometimes, as Anne was saying, in how to respond to that, what to say. And as Anne was saying again, this was resonating with that parent. I don't know how to answer her. I don't know what the answer is. And as we've been trying to say through um, the research that Anne's carried out, answers aren't the important thing. Answers provide a full stop to something. And our faith is not a full stop. It's, it's a journey that continues. And it's trying to empower parents and say to them, you're not there to answer their questions on this aspect because parents are used to leading their children, but actually walk side by side with your child, explore together. That can be quite a new concept for parents. And when I was talking about that with the uh, parent that I was speaking to just last week, it was quite mind-blowing that she was thinking, oh yeah, I can actually walk side by side. I don't have to have the answer. We can explore together. Mm -hmm. And you found, didn't you, that children weren't necessarily looking for answers when yeah, they just want to talk about it really, don't they? They just want to go up and they're aware there's not really an answer. The other um, type of parent that I came across was one who said, well, I don't want to influence them. You know, they've got to make their own mind up. If I tell them, you know, and, that was really quite common. The parents thought that it's up to them to make their own mind up, so I don't tell them anything, which I feel really frustrated attitude. But I love them. Well, it, well, it's up, it's their decision, and there's a mum of the situation saying, well, it's her own decision, so you no, know, we don't talk about that. She's got to make her own mind up when she's older. 
And again, it's that huge loss that you've got. That, well, if you're not going to talk about it at home, well, then, you know, the child's perception, well, it can't be that important because mum never mentions it. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's just getting that across that actually it's quite okay just to talk about it. And I'm not indoctrinating, you know, it's fear of indoctrinating, not indoctrinating. The other thing that came out from our faith talk was who do you talk to now? But it's grandparents. Who, who do you ask these questions of at home? It's often when well, I had a conversation with my nan, or I had a conversation with my granddad, and we were talking about this. And I think we underestimate that connection, that intergenerational connection, and that there's a lot to be supported there. I was uh, telling the story before of Ed, who it's not his real name, who I met in. He was in a secondary school, and he was in the nurture group, and they children came in that group and they just stayed in that group. Sometimes they went to proper lessons, but mostly they had all their lessons there. And I spoke to Ed after he'd let, led the class worship for this small group of children. And he did it brilliantly. He talked about God, bringing God into school from the outside and you know, <laughs> talk about God. And I said to him, well, you know, what do you want to be? What's your ambition? And he said, not to be thrown out of school. And I thought he was joking. I said, no, no, really, miss, that's really, I don't want to be thrown out of this school. I like it. And he'd obviously had the experience of being thrown out of other schools. And he just wanted to be in this school. And I said, well, you, you worship was fantastic. How did you do that? Well, I go with my grand to the Salvation Army every Sunday. And he just thought, yeah, that was it. That was enough for him. He got it. And he could bring it, and he was quite confident sharing it with his peers, with this little group. And I think we underestimate; we're not aware. We need to sort of, you know, big it up somehow. But this ha- happens, and it matters, and it makes a difference. But the question I come back to with this, and we haven't got the answers, we keep being reminded that we're just a research unit. We just go out and we do the research, and we let other people do it. But how do we support families? engage in these conversations and walk with their children and what resources can we provide parents who find these conversations really difficult to have. Now we've created a few resources and we've created a little animation but really it's others to go away and say well children need these conversations, children value these conversations. What can you do to encourage your parents to engage with the child? In these conversations. So, stop another couple of minutes and get some yeah, more water. Oh, sorry, Anna, yeah, just like. Anybody got any questions? Or... The brochures that you've got on your, on your seats that you've picked up, you'll notice that um, you'll be missing this section here. Um, if you go onto the website, you'll get the poster section. And really, what it does is it gives you nuggets of evidence-based information from the main reports from which you can generate questions which generates discussion so these are great to be using in small teams but also if it is something where you want to bring to the parents we have a parents animation as well which you can find on here and it speaks about um, the research but from a parent's perspective and it's very supportive in the way that it's put across So it's actually saying to the parents, we acknowledge that you've got challenges, we acknowledge some of the fears that you have, but actually, don't fear, just walk alongside your child. And even that may be the first stage of empowering parents. So there's some really good resources on the site there.
It is very much a wish to stop to all this. You know, we could talk for ages about this. But the the next bit that I want to look at is reflection spaces and times. Um, when I asked the children what helped them, what opportunities helped them to talk about, think about faith, develop their faith and spiritual life, they talked about reflections, times, and spaces. Now they used reflections. Sometimes they meant what you and I would think of as prayer. So it's called yeah. Reflection prayer, sort of interchangeably, but they're undirected use, not being told to go as a class or to go and do this, go and you know pray at the reflection. So, gave a real insight into what the children valued. And when I asked them, you know, why, why did they do this? Why did they like their spiritual garden or the reflection space, prayer space that they had in the hall? Said, so, I like to come here because I can deeply think about God and Jesus. Others were, they had a well, like the sort of well you can buy in the garden centre with some stones. And you could just go and sit by the well and put the stone in the well. And every time I go there, I calm down and I take a stone and I'll say a prayer. Now, there was a lot of reflection, a lot of prayer. Some of the um, schools had put like little boxes where you had paper and a pencil and you could write a little prayer on it as well. And if you looked at those prayers, a lot of it was problems from home coming in. Not so much of it, I thought it might be like school, you know, playground squabbles and things like that, but it wasn't. It was problems from home that they were bringing in about, you know, grandparents being ill or things going on in the family that they were sharing and it, with their little prayers. One of them had thought of it as like a three-sided shed in their yard, which they called the prayer space. They had this little box and you only allowed five pupils, and the pupils placed it themselves. So you went in there, you had five, you were now five minutes or so, and they just, every time, you know, there was always a huge burn there, just go and sit quietly, just try to pray. They just wanted this space, this, yeah, space and time to think. Some of them, when you talked about it, you could hear the reflection of what went on in school. They had an assembly on the homeless, and they said, oh, we did lots of prayers, I let them to prayer for the homeless. But a lot of it was their thinking. There was a lot of awe and wonder thing. I just thank God for you know, the grass. I thank God for you know, the animals and things like that. And providing these spaces was really important. I pushed them a little bit and said, well, look, we've got this in school. Do you do this, anything like this outside school? And they talked about going for walks, the walks on the beach, or the bench in the park where you could go and sit. Graveyards, they like graveyards. They like going into graveyards. And you can go and sit and think in the graveyard. And this idea that they would find a space where they could walk or where they could just sit. And, but some of them translated into the home, some of them made little ornaments and shrines in their room, that they, they had a Bible or something, or a candle, that they were just, obviously just copying, reflected what they'd seen in the reflection space in school and taking it home. What was very interesting, because I pushed them a little bit as well, it's like, you know, remember church? These were all church schools, they all had a church. And only one little girl mentioned that she's still in the church and now thinking about that, as a teacher, how often when we take children into church, it's like you're going to sit down and you're going to do this, or we're going and we're going, you can see where they, these bits and pieces are, and you do a worksheet and whatever. We don't often take them and just let them just go in, just sing pray, just sit in the there's a wonderful piece of research done in Norway where they took two and three-year-olds into the cathedral, and just let them go. Just let them go where they want, do what they want. Very brave, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the researcher tells a story of um, one of the girls just lies on the floor and just looks in the chat with the same And it's just like, how often do we let our children just do that? And there's that sort of, we couldn't let them go or damage it. Somebody was telling me about um, using the church and they'd got the key into use the church for children uh, with young people. And the um, key holder said, well, you, you will lock the door when you go in, if you will lock the door. And I said, but why would they lock the door? To stop other people coming in. said, you have adults in here, you don't lock the door, so other adults cannot come inside. And it's just that general attitude, well, we've got to please the children when they're in the church space. Actually, no let them have their space. And I think making those reflection spaces became really important. So we did produce some resources and spoke to somebody, one in the Montenegro experience of making spiritual gardens and say, well, actually this can be done. It can be done in schools. Actually, where's the space? Where's that spiritual space in church? It seems silly saying, where's the spiritual faith in church? A whole space is spiritual, but where's that space where children feel that sort of place where they can go and reflect. In fact, the head teacher, that's just reminded me, the head teacher that I was in a school on, uh, was it Friday? Yes, Friday. yes. I was in a school on Friday and the head teacher was talking about this because they're creating um, a reflection space in their school grounds. And she said where I would have put it would have been, you know, she was showing me in the field in the school. She said, but I've noticed the children, they find spaces and they see spaces that we miss because we're so busy and we're going about our lives she said it was so important to actually ask the children where they wanted it because I was going to put it in what I thought was the obvious place and she said there was this tiny bit of waste ground and it intrigued the children that they wanted to create from that from that waste ground she said I would never have thought about that mm -hmm. but she said you know it made her realize and her staff how often we go through life and we're missing things that they're picking up. So, mm -hmm. is, it, um, sorry, can I, yeah. uh, is that available? Yeah, you can just download it. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So if you go to nice, I think it's on the back of the leaflets that you've got there, nice dot org. Yeah. And we've just got um, all the resources there. Mm -hmm. If you really wanted it printed out like that, it's a sort of say, it's a poster. But it's just, it's just stimulating your thinking and giving ideas. And so for some of it, I wrote this report and a lot of it I would say, well, it? it's just common sense. It's just so obvious what I'm saying. It's just common sense. But it needs to be said and it needs to be said, well, this is what the children say. This research shows this. And then you can go and take it away and say, well, actually, this is what children say and they want. This is what children say. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. just to give them those spaces, I think is so important. And to listen and work with the children, right? And now I must get to this bit because my guest is is encounters with the scripture. That was the old thing I asked the children about when we were talking about well, what else helps you? Now this is a little bit which didn't come up so much in their conversations. It was me then sort of saying, well, what about the Bible? Yeah, do you read the Bible? Do you read the scriptures? And you know, how often do you read the Bible? How often do you listen to Bible stories? And I got, in school, the open books, yeah, that's where they saw it, and in RE, they could do, yeah, in RE lessons, we do that. And it was like, well, do you do it, do you that at home? And that's where it sort of fell my flat. There was very little engagement. So I like, tried to unpack why 
Why are they not engaging with the Bible at home? The first one, it's very obvious, there's no Bible in the house. There's, you know, they haven't got a Bible to engage with. They haven't got the means to, you know, get a Bible. And when I first spoke to parents of this, they said, oh, but they have, but we don't let them touch it. And it's that sort of christening, but you know the very fine ones with very fine paper that they've been given as a present when they were very little or something like that. And it's just kept upon a shelf, you know, because you don't touch it because it's a very precious thing. And so they've still got an accessible Bible. The other thing, talking to the 10 and 11 year olds who are very grown up in a family school, I think they're very grown up. I said, but what about the kind we used to read that? When we were little, we read that. And we had this Bible with pictures in it. And it's sort of like something you've grown. It's because the Bible that they had in their home would be when they're very child, yeah, friendly, lots of pictures. And they've not seen an adult version, an adult engagement with the Bible. That, yeah, I think that something adults do. No, that's something when we were little, we took that. One of the children said, I sneakily read my Bible at night. The Bible is very special for me because it's my, from my granddad and granddad when I was born, and my grandma's died now, so it's really special. Don't tell my parents this.
we produce some resources to go with the, the Bible material and to look at, yeah, how do we encourage encounters with the Bible? What can we do for parents to get this, to get the confidence? And I don't think we've got all the answers. And you get, you know, some of the parents were like, well, I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't really know. I don't know really know what the Bible is. I don't know what the Bible is. They think the Bible's a good thing. They want mm. children to have Bible stories. It's almost like that moral thing that you get a good moral from it. Um, and they were just really unsure as to how to go about it. And it's how, you know, how we overcome that huge barrier, that huge challenge of one getting children to account for the Bible more often, but encouraging parents to engage with it as well. Anybody's got any ideas, any suggestions of how they can work with that? Yes. These will, will be able to speak better than this than me, but um, we found Bobby Playfield in Tolkien for both child and the adult to engage in Bible stories. So how do you use it? So we sit around together in all generations. Um, our Bobby Play trainer, she does the story mm -hmm. when we're ready. And uh, and then we're invited afterwards to do some wondering about the story. And then if we want to, they can come and, uh, and sort of interact with the story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we quite love it in our context that people add to the story. Uh, so they find things around the house or building or using mm -hmm. and add bits. Yeah. So we did something on the creation story the other day and they went and found flat with the water and put it on. Bits of animals. Oh, uh, no, no, we've got little bits of animals around. Yeah. That sounds really good. It's a, it's a really good way of engaging, isn't it? It's, it's an easy, accessible way. Yeah, I work in school as well, yeah. and I need to go to play, so as a leader, I particularly use it at Christmas. Um, I use it at other times, and it, it's a very I mean, I'm not in church school, but it's a very kind of authentic way of introducing the story. Mm -hmm. And if you say that, I wonder at the end. It's it's I mean, very difficult to do it in a non-church school. You've got yeah. to be open to everything. Yeah. But it does allow children to explore their own ideas. And, mm -hmm. and some of the questions, even some of the young children about me, it is that they are exploring, they're asking. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it is a really good way in. And, I think it was activity training as well, and I used one of them with, with, with trainers as well. And we were then looking at the story exactly, and it was actually that just sticks with everything else. So there is a really good way of coming out some of those bigger, bigger issues as well, yeah. and which is a really powerful way of going in without kind of feeling a bit of preaching, yeah. which is a yes, yes, point yeah, yeah, in that kind of context. Yeah. So it is really powerful. <laughs> yeah, I had one little girl from it when it's all the conversation, she said, Telling the story of Abraham, you know, the one. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I wonder if I'm in the story. And you just get that sort of sense that you've then got an opening. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. It's when the children say, when you say, it's ready for our story, you can say, well, baby, and they'll go, oh! <gasps> <laughs> you can really explore then about yeah. that meaning yeah. of Christmas yeah. um, in a really good way. It's fabulous. Bits that people or bring to mind to the story. They're going to be called that action wandering. So it's not the asking of the question. Yeah. <clears throat> they can be an action of how 
what could you bring that would help us to talk more about this story? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what that's what you're inviting the children to do, not just to tell add to the story, yeah. but, but adding so yeah. how they engage with it, even yeah. if they can't tell you what, and you're not asking them to tell you anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really, and well, I'm really interested yeah. in that. It's really interesting. We found that it's an active work. It's not a real Absolutely sacred. And that's when the understanding of child, childhood theology yeah. is about children knowing God even before they have language to say yes. mm-hmm. yeah. That's when bringing something, and we can't tell you why, mm-hmm. yeah. if they're just going to want to tell you why, but you know that that means something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any time or any context where you can use God being played with parents in situ? Because we, we um, yeah. I was in a toddler group as well, and I was talking to a parent and saying, how do you feel about this? She's she wasn't um, active in her Christian faith. She she was born into her faith, but didn't really practice. And I was saying to her, you know, how do you feel about this Bible time uh, during toddler time? She said, I actually love it. She said, because I get embarrassed to ask questions. Um, and yet I'm sitting listening to some of these Bible stories and I'm thinking, oh, that's what happened. And that's what that one's about. And she said, in one sense, I'm learning as well mm. while I'm sitting mm. with my child, mm. and I'm learning in a way that mm. I don't have to ask those embarrassing questions. Mm. I can just take it away. And just listening to you there talking about godly play, I'm wondering what value there might be to have parents just come and watch that. Yeah, yeah, I think you, you have to think it through carefully mm-hmm. um, because having your parents can mean that the children then think, oh, I have to give the right answer. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but at the same time, uh, if, if it's whether you do a session with just parents so that they realize what it's about and then bring them together, mm-hmm. yeah. explore each context of the individually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's something about needing to give adults permission to not have the right answer. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, do it within, we do it within Metsic Church. So mm. when we do Metsic Church, we do it every single day at the end. And we sit the children and, they, and their parents in another room. Mm. And the parents all sit around the end, but we all come and it's really good that they all hear that same message. Exactly. And then yeah. it can go away from that. Yeah. 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 I think it is making it successful. Yeah. Research and I'm not all pro church of England actually yeah. researching um, any other books. Yeah. They found that was, I forget the, um, the number now, it's extremely high. The same as your parents, even if they aren't church based or you know, have no faith, if they attend a, a faith based parent of the group, they have an expectation that there's going to be some spiritual input yeah. somewhere in their experience yeah. there and are extremely disappointed when there isn't. So I just say that because, from what you've just said, what a great opportunity to reproduce Godly play in that environment yeah. Yeah. and be confident that the vast majority of parents who attend those groups are expecting and wanting that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the messages we want to get out there is that, you yeah. know, the parents know it's church toddler group, but they're expecting something of faith there because a number of the leaders that we talked to have said, well, we couldn't do it, we don't, it was just a little family. We don't dare do anything explicitly Christian. We don't want to put them off. And you think, well, actually, there's lots of toddler groups they could have chosen. They've chosen the model of the church and they like, talk to the parents and they oh, no, we accepted that. We you know, that faith that we've done the Bible story, the worship, that, you know, oh, we like that, that's why we have. 
And it's just getting that perception across that, you know, if that's my parents who probably want them to make their own mind that we don't want to push anything from it. We're too apologetic sometimes. We have to take a bit more confidence in that. Yeah. I, I was a top manager of, uh, at Boston for a number of years, and when I took it over, they were they were in that mode. Mm. We don't want we don't want anything to do with you know. Yeah. We gradually introduced it, and, and they've continued uh, uh, now that they've been the tour or something. You know. yeah. But to market open, we have a prayer at the end. Mm. And I think they all know it's going to come. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it is that sense that when you talk to the parents and they said they've come to that, mm -hmm. that they belong, they feel they belong to church yeah. because mm -hmm. there's been that bit. Mm -hmm. I saw a fantastic <laughs> thing in a toddler group actually. Um, the leader said to the parents, I'm no good at singing, no good at music. She, she's okay, the toddler group <laughs> um, sessions. But she said, I just can't do this, so I'm going to hand it over to you. And the parents took ownership of it. She just handed them all the tambourines and the percussion <laughs> instruments and everything. And she said, you get on with it. And it was amazing. They really enjoyed it. The parents enjoyed it. The grandparents loved it. Carers loved it. And they, they came together and she stood on the outside. And we were able to watch them and the children all come together with the parents leading it. It was a brilliant idea. But they weren't observing, the parents weren't observing. And this this were parents, as you say, that were coming from all walks of life. They weren't necessarily church parents, but they loved that end session. And many of them said they really liked it because it brought community together mm. and it brought them together. So I thought she had quite an insightful uh, thought there. Is there anything else? I'm really aware of the time. Another way that we just we share the Bible with the other our children, like I mentioned before we visit, yeah. we go to their homes once a week um, before they come to our program on the Friday, and we take the Bible story to them. So on their colouring sheet, we've got the Bible verse on there, yeah. some questions to explore as a family, yeah. and then the children can bring those back on a Friday, and we, can, we continue to discuss that story. And some of the parents say, oh, we come back home, they talk about that, and oh, did you find out that answer? So we've had that conversation to explore beforehand. Yeah. And then on the door, we go out and say, please ask your child about this, what we've done today. Please ask yeah. your child about. Mm -hmm. So they they can link all of that together. Yeah. So the following sheet they get on the Wednesday, and then on the door on the Friday, and it just brings it all together. Then to kind of explore yeah. a bit more of themselves. Mm -hmm. And then, like I say, they run church families, mm -hmm. so you look at the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I just said, as we were talking, and I just said, so we did know about putting a QR code on there to link to the story on YouTube. Yeah. We can wait yes. them to access yeah. that yeah. um, and give them those opportunities to and prompts to share that. Yeah. Well. And I think you're you really need to have it that they're not going to pick up a book and do that, but actually, yeah, that, that's a you have to to be straight to the YouTube. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah um, just on draw everyone with that, it's a live comment as well, mm -hmm. uh, which is excellent. That's got the Bible story there. And we find that families kind of were doing that together. Yeah. And I think it is, it's getting those activities that they can they can do together in that. Because I know one of the, yeah, um, it's a Catholic church, like a single Sunday stuff, and we met, we, it took this back to the actual, they you know, getting present there. But actually, when you talk to the parents, they, can, they do, they, yeah, they find that, you know, they've got a little word search, or little, well, we do that, and then we talk about, yeah, it is indulgent, you know, it's another means of connection. So I know a number of looking around the a number of people have trained me to, to share godly place stories. And um, if anyone is interested in knowing about how the Salvation Army could fund you and enable you to do that training for your uncle, come and see me in the godly place. So, uh, anyway, 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to catch any of our resources, yeah, please either um, download them or just email us if there's any other questions that you've got. Yes, we did just want to say a thank you because you've just done two back to back summaries. <laughs> It is amazing, though, because you're looking at the minds. I've wanted to get the minds in this room together for ages. <laughs> so walking in and saying, oh, you're all here. Brilliant. So I hope you found it useful to meet some of the Salvation Army crowd. Yeah. And was it useful? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Kelly.